coast and floorboards to shingles. This is the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. And we are here to help you with your home improvement projects. So take a look around. Get out that to-do list. Let's make it the done list. Before you pick up the hammer and the saw, pick up the phone and call us. We're here to help at 1-888-MONEYPIT, 888-666-3974. Coming up this hour, if you're thinking about making energy-efficient home improvements, but you're afraid they're not in your budget, well, think again. We're going to have tips on energy-saving improvements that are cost-effective, inexpensive, and simple. And also ahead, one of the most common questions that we get from homeowners who live in older homes is how to fix cracks in plaster walls. Well, the fix is in when this old house general contractor, Tom Silva, stops by with his foolproof tips. And don't waste your hard-earned money on renovations that don't add value to your home. We're going to talk about some small changes that offer big bang for your home improvement bucks. And we're giving away a gorgeous luxury floor covering from Laloy Rugs. It's a prize worth 500 bucks. So pick up the phone and give us a call right now. The number is 1-888-MONEYPIT, 888-666-3974. Leslie, who's first? Bill in Tennessee, you've got the money pit. How can we help you today? I'm trying to clean some uh, pressure-treated deck. This is on the second floor of my house, and also on the ground is uh, stone. What we have here in Tennessee is crab orchard stone. It's a soft stone, and it's turned black. Uh, the, the stone has turned black over time. It's about 15 years old. And the pressure-treated wood is turned black also. And I wanted to see what the best thing to clean both of them. I've tried cleaner on the end of a garden hose, and it don't. It don't and I followed the instructions, but it didn't do much at all. Mm-hmm. I mean, it sounds like a combination of you know the wood aging and also mold or algae. Now, you know, a pressure washer set to an aggressive but gentle setting, if that makes any sense, um, will probably do the best to kind of attack this growth on it. If you could use some bleach and water or wet and forget a product like that, that will, you know, do a good job of, I'm not going to say attacking, but you know what I mean, like really aggressively going at this growth, that will probably do a good job of, of, you know, getting to the base of it and removing it from it. If you get more sunlight on the area to sort of beat this shady mold growth that's happening, that will help tremendously. You know, there's some things that you can do there. Okay. That's good. Thank you very much. You're very welcome. Thanks so much for calling us at 888 Money Pit. Jan in California is having a wallpaper removal situation. Tell us what's going on. I've been removing wallpaper and repapering for 50 years and I've never come across where you take the wallpaper off and it looks like there's a paper lining behind it. I've had some people tell me that this is a filler for the um, texturing so the wallpaper looks smooth, and others tell me that it's a liner and it fills the whole wall with pencil lines where the wallpaper goes. I don't want to damage the sheetrock that's underneath. So I'm a little leery about taking that off or leaving it on or what I should do with it. So your end game is to get down to the drywall? Well, it doesn't have to be if I can texture over uh, what's there. But it's almost like a paper. And I don't know if we can put the mud and everything on that. If it's adhered well, then I don't see why you couldn't texture over it. Do you want to use a textured paint? No, I want to uh, use the texture that I've had on the other walls. The key here is whether or not 
the surface that you've exposed is well adhered to the drywall underneath. If it's well adhered, then you can go ahead and put your texture over that. If it's not, then your texture could be on there for a couple of months and it could start falling off in chunks when that backer paper pulls off. As long as it's well adhered, then I don't see any reason you can't go on top of it, Jan. Okay, I appreciate you and enjoy your program all the time. Thanks so much for calling us at 888 Money Pit. You are tuned to the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show on air and online at moneypit.com. Now you can call in your home repair or your home improvement question 24 hours a day, seven days a week at 1-888-MONEYPIT. 888-666-3974. Up next, hey, would you like a little extra cash in your pocket? Well, we're going to tell you how to get a quick return on a $50 investment in energy savings after this. Hey, this is Mike Rowe from Dirty Jobs, and I've just been told that Tom and Leslie might have a dirtier job than me. I find that hard to believe, but then I heard they worked in a pit. That's a money pit, but still filthy. Making good homes better. Welcome back to the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. The number here is 1-888-MONEY-PIT, 888-666-3974. One caller we talked to today is going to win a luxury rug from Laloy Rugs. It's pretty much winner's choice. You get to choose any covering from the Encore collection. Now, these are power-loomed shag-style rugs from Turkey, and they're worth 500 bucks. You can see them at LaloyRugs.com. That's L-O-L-O-I rugs.com or call us right now at one eight 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 money pit for the answer to your home improvement question and your chance to win all right now we've got derwin in texas who's dealing with a fascia board situation tell us what's going on i have a fascia board uh that is rotten the way it's put on there is i have a one by four fascia board that's nailed up on there and then the one by two is nailed uh on the top portion of the one of the fascia board yep. and uh which and the gutter is nailed to the one by two, so I guess the one by two keeps the gutter from resting up against the fascia board. Keep, Got it. Keep from rotting. Mm-hmm. So, but the drip edge, there's a drip edge that's nailed to the top. So, like a two by two uh, drip edge, and uh, the top uh, part of the drip edge is nailed to the roof deck, and then it. Uh, it uh, lays the other half is lays into the gutter. So what you want to know is how can you get the rotted fascia board out without taking apart your gutter and your drip edge and your spacer and all that stuff, right? Right. There's no way to to uh, surgically remove the the fascia. It's like one part of the assembly. So you'd have to take the whole thing apart. Now, I mean, it's not a. It, it sounds like a lot of work. It's not a tremendous project to get a gutter off. It's not something you can do yourself because you don't want to bend it. So you have to do it with some help, take the gutter off in one piece. But there is an opportunity here, and that is that when you replace the fascia, I would not put wood fascia back. What I would do is I would use a product called Azek, A-Z-E-K. And this looks like wood, so it can look like that old one by four that you had, except it's made of cellular PVC. So it cuts like wood, and it looks like wood, but it never rots. So I would definitely suggest that this is an opportunity to improve the material that you're using there. Now, whether or not you put back the spacer and the gutter the way it was before is up to you. You really don't need to have a spacer. You could put the gutter right up against the AZEC, then have the roof just lay into the top of the gutter. That would be the most normal assembly for that kind of thing. But if you want the spacer and it just works out better because that's the way it was before, then what you could do is buy one by six 
Azac, cut uh, a one and a half inch strip off of it, use that as a spacer, and use the rest as you'll have one by four left, and use that for the fascia, and you'll have the strip just in one uh, one piece. So it cuts just like wood. Looks like wood, cuts like wood, doesn't rot like wood. Thanks so much for calling us at eight 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 Money Pit. Now we've got Brenda in Illinois who's got an HVAC question. What's going on? I have uh, an excessive amount of dust and lint that okay. comes out of my vents when the uh, furnace is running. It's yep. the heat pump that we have. The heat pump is two years old. So I'd like to know, is there anything that you would suggest that we might need to look into? Yeah, I think the reason that this is happening is because you don't have an adequate filtration system on your heating and cooling system. What kinds of filters do you have on this, Brenda? Do you know? The name of it is Air Bear Supreme Media. We change these um, about every four to six months. What's happening here is the dust and the dirt that's circulating in your house is forming in your house. And what happens is it's not getting collected by the filter. The filters could be improperly installed. There, there could be gaps where the air is getting around them. What you really should think about doing is installing an electronic air cleaner. This is an appliance that fits into the return duct side of the HVAC system. It's an, it's a, it's an appliance. It's not just a, a, a fiber filter or a mesh filter. It's an actual appliance. And it is very effective at, at taking out you know, 99% plus of the, of the airborne contaminants. I mean, these things are so good today, they can come out, they can take out virus-sized particles. You can take a look at two brands that we can recommend. One is April Air. Okay. That's April A-I-R-E. And the other one is Train. It's called the Train Clean Effects. Those are two highly rated, very efficient electronic air cleaners that I think will make a world of difference for you in cutting down on the dust that you're seeing. I just don't think your filtration system is working properly. Brenda, thanks so much for calling us at 888 Money Pit. Hey, you got 50 bucks? That and just a little do-it-yourself know-how is really all it takes to see some real return in energy investments in your home. For example, most homes in America don't have enough insulation, but for about 30 bucks a roll, you can add another eight inches of toasty cushion to your attic. Also, why not consider that caulk is only a couple of bucks? Foam sealant is about five bucks, and weather stripping can set you back just about a dollar. And those can fix all sorts of construction ills that cause air leakage, like plugging those leaky windows, doors, and outlets, and really deliver a pretty immediate savings and increase your comfort. As well. Lastly, here's a great project that can chop 10% off your yearly heating and cooling bills if you add a clock setback thermostat to your home. Now, that's going to run about $50 to buy, and it's going to turn your heat down when it's not needed. So essentially, it's going to pay for itself in no time at all. I'm always amazed that people still, to this day, don't have clock setback thermostats, but that is such a no-brainer. You're absolutely correct. Hey, if you want more ideas and improvements that cost $50 or less and save energy in your home, log on to moneypit.com. Michael in North Carolina is on the line with a water heater that's making some curious sounds. Tell us what's going on. Recently, the last uh, four to six weeks, I've been noticing it, it sounds like a bubbling and a popping noise inside of the water heater. I've read several things on the internet, but I can't quite put my finger on it, and I'm worried that uh, either the vessel's getting ready to go or I'm, I'm not sure at this point. How old is the water heater? Um, it looks to be of considerable age. I'm guessing between six and eight years. 
Well, I mean, water eaters generally go about 10 to 12 years, so that's not that's kind of middle-aged. It's not too terrible. By the way, if you look at the data plate on that water heater, usually there's a date stamp sort of buried into the serial number. Sometimes it'll actually say what the date of the manufacturer is, or at the least it's going to have a, a gas standard uh, in terms of which code it was built to, and it'll give you a year there. So you can get an actual sense of, of what the age of the water heater is. The noise is usually caused by a sediment buildup on the bottom of the tank. So if you drain the tank occasionally, that will usually stop that. Have you ever drained your tank? Um, in the eight months I've been there, no. But I uh, read something somewhere along the lines that you have to be very careful with. It's got a uh, plastic drain valve on it. And when you have a water heater that's a little bit older, I guess they get become brittle. And I'm worried about uh, breaking that and making things much worse immediately. Well, I mean, you could very carefully try to drain the water heater. You simply hook up a garden hose to that spout. It's designed to be drained and let some of the water out of it and try try to spill off some sediment with that. You get sediment on the bottom of the tank, and that does uh, tend to make it uh, pretty noisy sometimes. Okay. Is there any chance that uh, I have the temperature turned up too high and it's causing, well, I guess not at 125 degrees, it wouldn't cause a boiling, would it? No, it wouldn't. And, you know, 125 degrees, though, is pretty hot. You, you really want it to be more like 110. Okay. Just for safety's sake, if nothing else. Yeah, because you could easily get scalded. Okay. All right, I'll, I'll give that a shot. All right, good luck with that project. Thanks so much for calling us at 888 Money Pit. Now we've got Lorraine in Arizona who needs some help with a paneling decorating project. Welcome, Lorraine. We have an older home that has um, two walls that has paneling on. And I was told that uh, if we took the paneling off, it would probably damage the drywall. So I was considering maybe trying to put something over top of the paneling to give it a different look and wanted some suggestions. Well, it depends. It depends on how it's attached to whatever is behind it. There may not be any drywall behind it. It might just be the paneling attached directly to the studs, in which case you would have to put drywall up. It could be that the paneling was glued to the drywall, then you would never get it off without completely destroying the drywall. Or it could be that it was just nailed on. You're not really going to know until you sort of peer at a corner or an area where you can take off a little bit of trim work and see what exactly is going on before you make a decision. So that's probably best step number one. Now, if you find out that there's really no removing it and your choices are to deal with the paneling and make it look better or cover over it with, you know, quarter-inch drywall, you can do that. You know, it depends on how much work you want to do. Painting paneling certainly is an excellent option. I mean, it, it creates a totally different look when you paint paneling, you know, a crisp, glossy white or an off-white or something that really just poses a good neutral backdrop and just sort of go with it. Okay, this is very light paneling anyway. And, I mean, are you at a point where you just want to see it be darker, different, or gone? Different. You know, painting it really does look nice. It doesn't have to be something that, you know, in the end you're going to think, ooh, that doesn't look good. You just have to make sure that you clean it, you prime it well, and then you give it a good top coat. Now, I would really start by just taking off a piece of trimming and door frame, 
and seeing how it's attached. And if you want to truly start with just a fresh look, you can absolutely cover over the entire space with quarter-inch drywall without losing too much space. You're just going to have to sort of bump out your electrical boxes, your switches, your trim work, etc., which for a handy person isn't that big of a deal. So, I mean, it could be a project you could do on your own or to hire somebody wouldn't be that expensive. Okay, sounds good. All right, good luck with that. Pat in Pennsylvania is on the line with a leak in a garage roof. What can we do for you today? Well, I have um, an attached garage to my house, and right down at the end where the near the garage door is there, um, right where the soffit meets the, the shingles, I have a, a leak there, and I was just wondering how I could try to fix that, if I could just put some of that blackjack in there and try to fix it. or How long do you want it fixed for a week or, like, forever? Because if you just use the tar, it's going to be a very short-term repair. Okay. Tell me where exactly the leak is evidencing itself. Well, it's just a little bit of a water spot there, right, at the garage door. And that it seems like the shingles are lifted up a little bit. But my, I, we built our home only nine years ago, so I wasn't sure you know, if it was the shingles. or. Okay, so you're not even sure if it's the shingles themselves that are cracking. So if you built your home nine years ago, you've got a, a fiberglass-based asphalt shingle. And one of the ways that fiberglass-based asphalt shingles wear is they actually develop sort of fissures or cracks in them. So if you put a ladder against the front of the garage and you kind of go up and look down on the shingle itself... And if you see cracks that go through them, that could be the source of the water. Now, if you've just got one or two shingles that are pushed up like that, usually that's because a nail is actually backing up through the roof. And you can put a flat bar in there and kind of tap that nail down. And yeah, if you want to put a little bit of asphalt ceiling under the tab just to kind of hold it in place, then that would be okay. But in terms of, of leak prevention, that type of sealant is not the way to fix the leak. If it turns out that the shingles are cracked, I don't want you to tar them. I want you to take them off and replace them. Okay, so that's not a permanent fix then, I guess, is what you're saying. Well, it's right. It's not going to be a permanent fix. If the shingles are cracked, then you should pull off the shingles that are damaged and replace them. And you can do that with a flat bar. You can actually sort of uh, extract, sort of surgically remove a shingle from the middle of a roof and put a new one back in its place. Okay, you wouldn't think after nine years that the shingles would be cracked already, would you? I have seen it happen quicker than that. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, that's why I see that's kind of the way those shingles wear. It depends on a lot of factors. But I would take a very careful look at that and see if that's what's causing it. Okay, well, that sounds good. I appreciate your help. You're welcome, Pat. Good luck with that project. Thanks so much for calling us at 888 Money Pit. You are tuned to the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show on air and online at moneypit.com. Well, if you live in an older home like Tom and I do, you have no doubt faced the problem of cracks in plaster walls. I swear you turn around, there's a new crack. Well, we are going to have a really simple solution to fix them after this. On the Money Pit Radio Show, pick up the telephone, fix up your home sweet home by calling Making good homes better. Welcome back to the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. Hey, hanging curtain rods is a great do-it-yourself project for even the most novice weekend warrior. But if you'd rather not mark up your walls, check out our article, Curtain Rods, How to Hang Them Without Drilling Holes, 
right now on moneypit.com. This is a very popular article, and it's trending very, very highly. I guess there's a lot of people doing some decor projects, Leslie. Yeah, that's really great. I'm always happy to help with any decorating ideas, tips, anything you need. I'm happy to lend a hand. Joe from Kentucky is on the line with some help with a bathroom cleaning project. What can we do for you? Yes, I have an old bathtub and where the water has leaked. I have some porcelain. I guess it's a porcelain tub. Uh, I have some orange spots in there, and they look like they're going to eventually just give way on me. I want to know how I could patch that up. Are they super tiny or are they, you know, an inch or so? Oh, yes, they're very small. There are touch-ups, but you know what? They, They will show. Yeah, I mean, I've used one. When we bought our house, there was like a tiny, I mean, super tiny little rust spot in our tub. And I used a product called PorsaFix. And you can get it in, I mean, in pretty much in any home center. It comes in a variety of like whites and off whites. So you kind of have to guess which one's going to work close enough to your exact white or bisque or whatever you want to call it. Right. And it almost looks like it's a, a nail polish bottle, kind of. Okay. And you apply it in gradual layers, you know, letting it set up and then going back the next day and putting another one on until you build it up. And it's done a fairly good job. I mean, we've been in the house eight years and it's still there. It's still covered up. But I mean, I know exactly where it is. Okay. Well, I thank you very much. You're very welcome. Thanks so much for calling us at 888-MONEYPIT. Well, Tom and I both love our older homes, but we know they come with their own set of maintenance issues, which really are brought on by all those years of service. And one of which we see a lot is cracks, especially those that form in plaster walls. Well, that's right. But when it comes to repairing cracks in plaster walls, you can't just trowel on some spackle and call it a day. These walls need a bit more care to make sure that they can stand up for generations to come. Here to tell us exactly how to accomplish that is our friend Tom Silva, the general contractor for TV's This Old House. Welcome, Tommy. Thanks, guys. It's nice to be here. So we get this question so often, what really causes those plaster walls to crack? It seems pretty normal. Well, years ago, they put up what they call a lath over the wall, and it's a bas- basically a quarter or three-eighths of an inch thick strip of wood, maybe a one-inch to one-and-a-quarter inches wide, spaced a quarter to three-eighths of an inch apart. Okay. When they make the base coat of the plaster up, it's soft. They trowel it and push it onto the walls. It goes in between those openings of the lath, forming a key or a lock to that. That's how it's held onto the wall. So it circles behind the wood and then kind of grabs it, and that's the attachment point. Right. So it basically forms a key or a T uh, or an I, basically. The wall, the slot, and then a big clump in the back. And when that breaks free, the plaster will fall off the wall in chunks and becomes loose. You have to reattach it to the wall by using a metal ring or a washer and a drywall screw. And you just want to gently put the washer onto the wall, holding it in place with a drywall screw, screwing it into the lath. If you screw it too tight, you'll crack the piece and it'll fall out. Yeah, good point. Now, so what we're essentially doing is with the metal drywall screw on the washer, we are creating an alternative structural assembly, essentially, because the key is gone now, no longer attaching. We've got this loose plaster, which is pretty heavy, too, and this was in a ceiling. It could actually fall down and hurt somebody. Oh, absolutely. I mean, the ceiling, that's what happens. Big chunks will fall out of a ceiling if you don't address the problem and fix it. Now, you're saying we want to go with these rings and these drywall screws right into the lath itself. Mm-hmm. Finding the wood, I feel like, you know, anytime you've tried to hang anything on a plaster wall, you take a stud finder and everything is beeping. So it's like, right. how do you know, essentially, you're getting into that 
strip of lab. You will know as soon as you turn that screw and it goes through the plaster, whether you're in be- in between the crack or you're into the lath, mm-hmm. because you will feel the the uh, tension. Up. Yeah. And the nice thing about lath is if you do miss it, if you go an inch in either direction, you're most likely to hit it, correct? Exactly. Exactly. The key is, is you don't want to over tighten it because you're going to damage or crumble the plaster. So you don't want to do that. Such a delicate system. Right. Another way to do it is I like to put the plaster rings on if I uh, and, and I put them randomly on the wall. And then I'll take like an old piece of screening wire out of a storm door and then take that screen, put joint compound on the wall, cover it well, take the take the screening wire and lay it right into the wet plaster and, we'll, and then compress it against the wall oozing out all of the joint compound behind it and now I created a screen mesh over the wall and it will never crack. Oh, that's a great tip. So if you've got a crack that really is persistent, maybe in an area where the wall tends to move a lot, like around mm-hmm. a door opening or an archway or something like that, you can essentially reinforce that entire crack. First, secure it with the drywall screws and the metal washers right. then put the screening on top of that whole thing right. and you are so, so reinforcing that area that the crack just can't re- reappear. Exactly. Yeah, two coats of joint compound on top of it, sometimes three, depending on uh, you know how much the hole or the dent is that you're trying to figure out. Not really a hole, but a dent in the plaster. Uh, and I've had great luck with it over the years. Great tricks of the trade. We're talking to Tom Silva, the general contractor on TV's This Old House, about how to repair a cracked plaster wall. Now, what about drywall? I mean, when you're thinking about comparing drywall to plaster, making any sort of repairs to cracks in drywall has got to be a breeze. Well, drywall, you don't have to worry about that that plaster, that hard surface cracking. I mean, drywall can crack, but it usually if it cracks or opens, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be a structural issue mm-hmm. uh, because the house is really settling too much, or it was just basically installed incorrectly. Well, and I think generally a lot of, you know, a lot of the calls we get at the Money Pit, when you're seeing a crack in the drywall, it's essentially a crack in the joinery. In the jo- exactly, exactly. And usually the what happens there, and lots of times, is the tape wasn't installed correctly. Mm-hmm. If they use a paper tape, they, it, the paper tape went on to dry joint compound, and so it breaks away eventually. Right. So you got to retape it. And, you know, speaking of retaping, one final point. Um, I like that perforated tape, the one that sort of looks like a fiberglass mesh. Mm-hmm. Because, as you know, for uh, the average do-it-yourselfer that doesn't work with paper tape all the time, it's kind of hard to get it right. You've you got to you, you yeah. have a solid coat of, of uh, joint compound behind it. You get air bubbles. Uh, that fiberglass tape seems to be a lot more forgiving. The fiberglass tape I like is the because uh, I use it because I plaster and I joint compound, and I use it for both. Uh, lots of times I may double up on it. But if the paper tape is tricky, if you put a layer of joint compound on the wall on a joint or over a crack, if you wait too long and that joint compound hasn't dried but skinned over, now when you put the tape on it, it's not going to stick. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And it gets kind of chunky. Right. It doesn't get right. you a, a smooth. The, the trick around that is if, if you're waiting too long, wet the tape and put it on the wet joint compound. You don't have to worry about it. It will really stick well then. Hey, it works for the plasterers, right, with the wet lath? Absolutely. All right, and it still works today. Tom Silva, the general contractor on TV's This Old House. Great advice. Thanks so much for stopping by the Money Pit. Nice to be here. You can catch the current season of This Old House and Ask This Old House on PBS. For local listings and step-by-step videos of many common home improvement projects, visit thisoldhouse.com. And This Old House and Ask This Old House are brought to you by GMC. GMC 
we are professional grade. Up next, the last thing you want to do is spend money on a renovation only to learn it added no value or worse, left your home even less valuable than it was before. We'll tell you which improvements add a big bang for just a few bucks after this. Money Pit is brought to you by Stanley Tools, your trusted name in quality hand tools. To learn more about their complete line of quality tools and everything for your toolbox, visit stanleytools.com. Making good homes better. Welcome back to the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. Pick up the phone and give us a call at 888-MONEY-PIT. We've got a great prize to give away today to one lucky caller who gets on the air with us. We've got a rug up for grabs from Leloy. Now, the winner gets to choose any 5 by 8 rug from the Encore collection. And the designs will really work with about any style. And they're gorgeous. If you want to check them out, go to their website. It's LeloyRugs.com. And that's spelled L-O-L-O-I rugs.com and the prize is worth 500 bucks so give us a call right now at 888 money pit for your chance to win 888-666-3974 barbara in florida is on the line and has a pool cleaning question well really the screen how can we help you barbara yeah i'm here in northwest florida and i have a very large screen enclosure that's just covered with uh green mold on it so i'm looking Mm -hmm. for something i've tried just a pressure washer uh and it's not taking it off so i need something some ideas of cleaning it that's also um environmentally friendly because i do have plants around the screen enclosure Mm -hmm. and probably because of the height you want to do it once and not have to do it again for a long time right absolutely (laughs) you know barbara tom and i have worked with a product called wet and forget Uh it's actually perfect for your type of environment because you have high mold growth because of the humidity in Florida. Um, And what it is, it's a product that you put on. And I bet in your application, Tom, would probably be best for her to roll it on or can she Spray well, you probably it spray on. it on with like a garden sprayer, but you you apply it, and and basically that's it. Mother Nature, wind and rain, do the rest. And it's not going to make it go away that moment you put it on, but give it a week's time, and that mold and mildew is gone. Okay, and you think with spraying it on the screen, you know, it would still the screen would catch some of the product. Yes, absolutely. It's, it's designed for any exterior surface, so certainly mm, screening and it is won't fine. Damage the pool or any surrounding or the plants. Know, plants. Okay. Well, that sounds like a, sounds like a perfect solution then. Take a look at their website. It's wetandforget.com. And the results will last for a long time. Well, if you've set aside a bit of money to spruce up your money pit this year, I'm sure you want to make sure that you get the most bang for your buck. The truth is, though, it doesn't take a lot of cash for renovations that add real value. That's right. You know, conservation improvements like repair to your leaky toilets or any water-wasting bathroom fixtures will really only cost you a few dollars, but they're going to add a ton of value. Now, improving your curb appeal, such as adding a sturdy new door in a welcoming color or even just some new container gardens on your porch can really make a huge difference. And if your do-it-yourself skills range from the intermediate to the higher level, you might also want to think about improving your kitchen by building your own concrete countertops. These are trending really hot right now. They're budget-friendly, they're eco-friendly, and they can really add significant value to your home. And if you want more ideas and renovations that deliver big returns on investment, we've got a whole list at moneypit.com. Lucy in Kansas is on the line and would like some help refinishing some cabinets. Tell us about your project. Uh, Yes. 
Uh, we have a uh, home that is about 17 years old. I just moved here about three years ago. And uh, we have solid oak cabinets. And the overall finish is just looking dull. Um, it isn't awfully bunged up or anything, but there are areas like along the upper edges of the uh, drawers where the color looks faded. And uh, so I don't know what to use to clean them, and I don't know what to do to, you know, make them have some sheen. A couple of things. First of all, you can clean them with Murphy's Oil Soap. That's a good mild soap for uh, for cleaning any kind of wood surfaces, including floors and, and cabinets. Mm-hmm. So that's the first thing. Um, the second thing is you can, if, if it's just a finish that's kind of worn a little bit, you can take those doors off, take the drawers out, and lightly sand them. And then put another coat of uh, of urethane on it. You're probably going to want to use a satin urethane, but make sure you sand them first, and use an oil-based satin urethane. It would not use water-based. I see. Even though it's easier to use, it's not as durable. So use the oil-based urethane, and I would try it on you know maybe one drawer front or someplace that's the least obvious in your kitchen, just to make sure you like the way it came out. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and then go ahead and do the rest. Okay. You know, I think that'll just fix us right up. This is the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show. Up next, it's time for Caulk Talk. It's a handy home improvement product, but with dozens of choices, how do you choose the right one for your particular project? We will tell you after this. Hey, 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 Money Pit. The Money Pit is presented by Aero Sheds, the leader in steel storage sheds and buildings. Steel sheds are durable, secure, and a great value. Aero storage products, available at national home centers, hardware stores, and online. See a complete line of products at sheds.com. Making good homes better. Welcome back to the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. Well, here's some good news for those of you that made some energy-saving improvements in 2012. You might be entitled to tax credits or even write-offs. We're going to tell you more about which improvements are eligible. All you have to do is search tax credits at moneypit.com, and you'll find everything you need there. You probably have to save your receipts. Make sure you double-check with your accountant. There's some good things that you can do to save yourself some money come this tax season. And while you're online, you can shoot us a question in the community section of the Money Pit, and you can post it right there. And I've got one here from a new member, Sarah, in New York, who writes, what should I be using to caulk around the tub where the port meets the tile silicone or latex i've heard that the two don't mix if i already have one type i should not apply a different type touching it correct well you really shouldn't be mixing caulks period if you're going to caulk your tub the first thing that you need to do is to pull out the old caulk now if it's really old it'll come out pretty easily but if it's not really old there's actually a product that is called a caulk softener think of it as sort of a paint stripper for caulk and when you apply it to the old caulk even if it's hard and, and, and you know, really difficult to scrape off, this will soften it up so you can get it off cleanly without damaging the tub or the tile. And then after you get it completely off, you should fill that tub with water so it's weighted down, and then you could apply the new caulk, let the water out of the tub after that so it comes up and sort of compresses the caulk, and this way it won't pull out the next time. Now, as to the question of silicone versus latex, if you're going to use latex, it's a lot easier to handle, especially if you're a bit sloppy. 
uh, because what happens is with silicone, it's really hard to trowel in. I like to use my finger trowel, you know, mm-hmm. where, yes. uh, the, your, like your pinky is about the right size to get that perfect caulk bead. You can't do that with silicone because it's gooey and it's stringy. And so if you're a little bit nervous about that, the best thing to do is to use latex caulk, but make sure you choose the one that's rated for kitchen and baths. Why? Because it has mildicide in it. And frankly, some of these latex products are so good. Um, it's just as good as silicone and just a lot easier to use. So I would tend to recommend that you go with latex as long as it has a mildicide built into it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that does make sense. And for the girls, you know, Tom's pinky finger is more like my pointer finger. So, you know, that just works. You want to keep your finger wet, though, because that does help it to slide more smoothly. And once you get like a buildup of the caulk on your finger, wipe it off, start again. All right. Next up, we've got Marge in Florida who writes, I have electronic air filters and I'm wondering how to clean them. One dealer says vacuum because washing could cause corrosion and then a malfunction. Another dealer says wash with water. Well, the answer is you clean them whichever way the manufacturer recommends you clean them. Every electronic air cleaner manufacturer is going to have a maintenance instruction. But I will say this, uh, for a good number of them, you can take those units out, the filters out of the electronic air cleaners, and actually stick them in the dishwasher. Sometimes you have to remove uh, like the upper basket to do this, but run them through one cycle does a great job of cleaning them. But really, before you do anything, check the manufacturer's instructions. Even if it's an old one, just go online today. All of that information is online. And so check that. Now, there are other types that you don't really clean. You you simply replace. For example, media filters. Some of them are look like sort of accordions. And those are so efficient, that you only have to replace them about once a year. So there are other options in air cleaning besides electronic that could do a pretty good job of keeping your air clear and, and really allergy-free by pulling out all of those things that make you really uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. And you do want to keep those filters clean because that really is the best way to keep the air in your house clean. So you're doing the right thing by taking care of that. And, you know, put it on your calendar and take care of it as regularly as you need to. All right. Hope that helps. You are tuned to the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show on air, online at moneypit.com. Thank you so much for spending this hour with us. Hope you've gotten some great ideas, some tips, some ideas, and some inspiration for projects that you can do to improve your Money Pit. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. Remember, you can do it yourself. But you don't have to do it alone. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.